0: Real quick, before we start, do me a favor, go to voxmedia.com slash podsurvey. Our company's doing a little survey about what podcasts to listen to, which ones we can make better. I would love it if you took that survey and plugged The Verge. This week on The Vergecast, we talk about Apple's enormous number of announcements, new iMacs, new iPads, AirPods, no air power. We preview Apple's streaming TV event next week, and we talk a lot about Google Stadia,
1: its new streaming service. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com designed for work.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Hello,
0: and welcome to VergeCast, the flagship podcast of the Vox Media Network, which I said out loud, it's South by Southwest. No un- one stopped you. Vox Media executives all over the place. <laughs> nobody rushed the stage. I still work here. Does that make it true? It's true now. It's as true okay. as it's ever been, which is a medium amount of true. <laughs> anyway, hi, I'm Neelai, your buddy. Dieter Bone is here. Your pal. Paul Miller. Hello. It's a wild week of news. There's like a lot going on, an overwhelming amount of things going on. nonstop, nonstop. And so Paul uh, suggested that we do this, and I think it's a good idea. We're going to not talk about Facebook and content moderation and data leaks and that stuff this week. We do yeah. it almost every other week. There was actually just another huge Facebook scandal. Facebook apparently stored hundreds of millions of passwords in plain text, accessible by a <laughs> wide <laughs> range of employees. <laughs> So what's new? Uh, (laughs) There it is again. Uh, And obviously, you know, there was the the horrific shooting in New Zealand. There's a lot of tech and platforms moderation. What do we keep up? How do we get it down? All of that's happening in the world. I don't want to ignore it. But there's a bunch of tech news that it's worth talking about as well. So if you want to get in-depth on that stuff – there's only one place to go. It's TheVerge.com slash The Interface. That's Casey Newton's newsletter. It comes out every day. It covers social media and democracy. Casey does a great job. He's been on the show a bunch. He actually interviewed Alex Stamos, Facebook's former head of security, on this show on Tuesday. So you can listen to Casey and Alex talk about that stuff. So if you want to get into that stuff, if that's what you want this week, listen to that episode. Go to TheVerge.com slash The Interface. Casey's your guy. The three of us are going to talk about some gadgets this week. Nothing but. There's just... A lot of gadget news. Apple literally released one product a day this week, which was well for three days. And then today, we're recording on Thursday. We're all like, "Ah, yeah, And ah, There was not a there was, uh, but there today was, was the iPad Mini review day. Uh, yeah. Google announced Stadia, which is their cloud gaming service, which seems insane. Call your doctor if you experience a uh, you know dry mouth or other symptoms. <laughs> That's true, it's it's not a great name. And then on Monday, Apple's having a gigantic streaming event. So let's just start with the Apple stuff. I reviewed the iPad Mini this week, that's out today. It's on uh, verge.com on YouTube, you can read that, watch that. Dieter, you've got the iPad Air. I do, yeah. Um, a lot of the YouTube commenters made fun of me because I, I said your name like 10 times in that video. I was like, yeah, he got like, the Dieter's
3: gonna review the Air. I was like, yeah, I know, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, like, the way, I'm watching so the, the video.
0: <laughs> the way we make the videos is we we like shoot them in sections <laughs> and I just sort of forgot that I'd said it, but I forgot it again. <laughs> so it just it, we just kept saying it. It's a lot of pressure on me, man. You better review the fucking air. <laughs> <laughs> the people are counting on you. Anyway, so I've got the mini. So on what was a Tuesday, Apple uh, announced a new iPad Mini, a new iPad Air. They've got basically the same specs. the 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 main difference is the size and the Air has a keyboard, a smart keyboard connector. So, A12 processor, True Tone displays, medium cameras, basically. Lightning ports, not USB-C. Bezels, <sighs> touch, I mean, these are old designs. Uh, the Mini in particular, the design is uh, seven years old. Yeah. Which is crazy. I don't even know where to start. The bezels, like,
3: bleh, Like, everyone's saying these are parts bin devices, and uh, yeah, sure, but also, you said this in the Mini review, like, so what? Who else is making tablets of this class? Yeah. Well, what? which part spin do you go to
0: to find an iPad mini screen with pencil support? Well, no, I think pencil yeah, support that. is like it's the first gen pencil, right? I, like I don't I don't mean part spin in the sense that Johnny Ivelick literally walks into a room with like a wall of blue bins and assembles a modular iPad. I mean, this is a remix of technologies Apple has already developed.
3: Yeah, they didn't. They didn't fundamentally change the casing. They didn't make the screen bigger and get rid of the bezels. They. It's. It's like parts been in so far as like they used a bunch of like established technologies and established like you know bodies. Um. They did. It is genuinely hard. Uh, I assume to take an A12 processor and put it in a, a box that was previously designed for whatever the iPad Mini had before an A3. I mean, that's an how old A8. It is. I don't know. A8. Okay. Sorry. Um. Same thing. Actually ipad air is a whole other uh, ball of wax which we should get to um but the point is like whether or not you're like salty about them not changing the overall design of the thing um it doesn't really make a huge difference because what other tiny little tablet is anywhere in the ballpark of this good who do they have to compete with
0: yeah so uh, you know i said that and i said android tablets don't have a great app ecosystem in their view, and yeah. then like you do and the thing publishes at 7 a.m and 7.10, 7.15 rolled by. And I was like, I wonder what the Android fanboys are mad about. Uh, yeah. And I went and checked. And they're all like, the Galaxy Tab S5e is a competitor to this. And that yeah. might be true. They just announced it. The S5e has a 10.5-inch display. It's like, <laughs> it's not. It's just the only other, like, premium Android tablet in the world. Right? And there's yeah. the weird Lenovo one that turns into an Alexa uh, with a screen when you put it yeah. in the dock. It's like $150. There's a bucks. Huawei.
3: Media pad, something, something.
0: But all, like, a- Android tablet apps, this is true. Android tablet apps suck, <laughs> don't exist. Uh, and they really do look like gigantic phone apps. And the iPad app ecosystem, which I think r- runs into problems on sort of the iPad Pros, like, is kind of great on the Mini. Yeah. And, and, like, so what I was saying before we started was I cut a bunch of stuff out of the Mini review because I realized it's all just reflective of, like the Mini being damning about the other iPads, right? So it's not about the Mini, but the Mini exists with an A12 uh-huh. processor and like iOS 12 on the Mini is fine because it, there's no way you're going to replace your laptop with this. There's no way it's you're going to replace your phone with this. Like yeah. just by the nature of its size, it's a secondary computing device. And so iOS 12 as a secondary computing environment is great, right? You can kind of like, Make it do a bunch of stuff. You're like, I'm watching a yeah. video. I want to browse the web. I'm gonna throw the video in a pip window. i to bang around here for a while. Oh, I want to like listen to some music. I'm gonna throw that window out the way. I'm gonna like pop over this app. Like, all that's cool. Like, it's like, super cool. And then you try to like extend it onto a pro, and you're like, this is my computer now. And you're like, this is broken. So, so <laughs> just
4: to clarify, it's not damning of the other iPads as far as their features and and that they the exist and their size and stuff. It's damning of their aspiration.
0: Yeah. Like, I think the fact that the Mini doesn't carry any expectations. Like, it's just so – it's so obviously a secondary device. Mm. Like, no one in the world buys an iPad Mini and is like, this is my only computer. The way that mm. lots of people in the world buy a phone and like, this is my only computer. And lots of people have a laptop and that's their main computer. And some people have yeah. an iPad Pro. Like, no one is buying a Mini, or at least I, don't, I haven't heard from them. They're bought. People buy. People love the mini. This is a true story. Actually, let me let me say this first. So I'm talking to Apple. I'm like, why'd you update this thing? I thought it was going away. I thought you know, small like phones are getting bigger. Everyone just assumed the mini would die. You haven't updated in f- like three and a half or four years, and they were like, yeah, we- that's kind of what we thought too. But then people kept buying them, and then a- Apple <laughs> like, and so they did all this research, and they they realized that. The Mini, I think, when it was first put out, was the cheapest iPad. Right? So sure. They cut the screen size down. It was the cheapest one. It was the entry point of the, the ecosystem. And they realized that some people were buying it because it was cheaper, but the vast majority of Mini owners were buying it because they wanted the size. And they right. realized the size was the primary determinant of the purchase. So they're like, look, the people who want the cheap one, we think they're better served with the $329, 9.7 inch iPad. And I think that we, I think we, We've now seen this over and over again. Price-conscious buyers want bigger screens, right? So like, right. across the Android ecosystem, you can buy any number of cheap phones with huge screens. It's just a thing. The iPhone XR bizarrely has one of the biggest, bigger screens in the lineup is the cheapest phone. So we know that people who are price-conscious want bigger screens. So they made this iPad, the 9.7-inch iPad, which has a big, albeit not as good, screen. And they're like, but people want the size, so we're just going to keep making the thing at the size, and people are going to keep buying them. I think the design comes down to we got to hold the price point. We can make a lot of margin on this thing. Two, like, you know, like Home Depot ships like thousands of these to customer service agents every year, like come to your house and like show you a kitchen. Uh, pilots use them. Like, it's a drop in replacement for all these enterprise applications.
3: Oh, and so like they can't change the form factor too much because there's a whole bunch of like point of sale boxes that the old one's slotted into and they need the new one to slot into.
0: It's, it's kind of the vibe I got, right? But then it's like, yeah, but you could have probably gotten rid of the bezels and kept the physical. Fiz- <laughs> you know, like, but I, I think there's like an element here where like you can just keep the cost. And then I, I honestly think uh, that A8 processor, the iPod Touch and the iPad Mini were sort of like the last standing A8 devices. And like it's got to cost more to keep building a- old chips than to just take some A12s off the I- iPhone line, right? Like you're already you're going to make right. a billion iPhones this year. Surely you can spare a couple million A12s. <laughs> so I think there's like I think there's just some economy of scale. Like people are still buying this product. We can we can actually reduce cost by using a bunch of existing technologies, make the thing a little bit better. We don't have to overthink it. People will just keep buying it. Then I think that's just where the mini landed. I, I they didn't invent anything. I think the first gen pencil is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous thing. It has always been a ridiculous thing. It, I've never liked it. I've always thought the charging is stupid. But it's there. It works. If you want to do that thing, you can do that thing. Yeah. Here's some breaking news. They told me that when iOS, the next version of iOS 12 comes out, presumably next week to support the streaming service, the Logitech Crayon will work with the iPad Pros. Really? If you want to break some news right now, you heard it here first on the Vergecast. (laughs) This is very exciting. (laughs) I don't know who's buying a $1,500 iPad Pro and a Logitech Crayon. Will it work with last generation iPad Pros?
3: Because, like, the crayon is a genuinely better design than the Apple Pencil. It doesn't roll off the table. It's easier
0: to charge. I have no idea. Okay. I mean, look, if you want to start your Logitech Crayon blog and and break it down, I support you. (laughs) 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 There was a time when every individual tech product had, like, a micro blog devoted to it. But anyway, so the, the thrust of my review is basically, like, I'd forgotten how much I liked having an iPad mini. And the main thing that I like about it is that I don't feel rude using it. It's, it's, it's mm. an unquantifiable thing. But I go to a lot of meetings. I try not to take my laptop to meetings. I, I want to be focused. Laptops are very distracting. And then every now and again, I'm like, I need to look at something. I need to take a note. I pull out my phone, and I feel instantly rude. This happens all the time, right? And, the, like, Dieter sends me a Slack. I just want to quickly answer the Slack. I pull out my phone. Just feel super rude. Someone says something like, I have a terrible memory. I need to write that down. Pull out my phone. feel super rude. But the mini, it's just like, I want to pull out this thing. It's, like, pretty purpose-driven. You can yep. see what I'm doing more or less, and I'm just, like, get this thing done and, like, come back to you, and it's not a laptop, it's not a big iPad with, like, all this like. Cra- it's just, like, the size of a notebook. The way you're describing it kind of sounds like it's a big phone for you. Yeah, but, so here's the other damning thing. So, mm. so uh, there's, like, iOS 12 on the mini right? is damning to the big iPad because it, I think it is, works great on the mini because it doesn't have these aspirations to replace a laptop, so it works. Right. And then it's damning to the phone Because it's an A12 processor with a lower resolution screen. It has less pixels on its screen than the iPhone XS, right? And it has more multitasking features. So, like, why can't I run a pip window for YouTube on my iPhone XS Max? Like, just can't do it. (laughs) And like this iPad Mini can do it, and I think that's ridiculous. So that's why it's like damning, kind of like both directions. Right, Mm. like, why can't I just split screen two apps on this iPhone XS Max? Like, there's honestly no reason I could, I shouldn't be able to do that. But you're right in that, I, I kind of feel like it's a giant phone. But the phone just has so much cultural baggage when you pull it out. Mm. Like, you're in a meeting, you're talking to someone, your phone, you like start using your phone. You're, you know, like what? It's a cliche. Like, my face is buried in my phone all day long. I don't, I literally don't feel that way when I use the iPad Mini. I feel like it's, it's just so much more purpose-driven because it is so obviously not my primary computer. And I, that's that's as, it's as squishy of a reason to like a tech device as anything, but I certainly felt like I'm using my phone less, I don't feel compelled to use my laptop for this X set of things, and when I'm done, I'm gonna be done.
4: My strange idea is if you pulled out your phone during a meeting, and that was rude, and then you unfolded it, and it was about the size of an iPad mini, <laughs> would it become
0: less rude? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. that's but, all I want to know. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone else is showing off foldable phones that are about this size. Apple's like, check out these bezels.
3: <laughs> it has an 8-megapixel <laughs>
0: camera with an f2.4 lens. Like, yeah, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, but it's also $399. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, like, I, that's – I said this in the review, and I'll say it again. Like, every iOS device I've reviewed for, like the past two years has been, like, skyrocketing in price. The iPad yeah. Pro I reviewed, I think, was specced at $2,200. The iPhone XS Max that I reviewed is, like, specced at $1,200. So you're like, I'm always just, like, doing this stance, Like, is this worth it? Like, did this ambition get realized? Will this last? Is this random feature that Apple, like, and we do this with uh, expensive Android phones too, right? Yeah. Everything's just getting bigger and more complicated and more expensive. The iPad Mini is like, it looks the same as it did seven years ago. Mm-hmm. This pro this the processor in it. Well, the last one lasted for four years. This will probably last you for four years. It's yeah. cost four hundred dollars. Do you want a tablet of this size? This is the only one you can buy. <laughs> right? Like it just it's so it's just so simplified my thought process of the review. Like, yeah. do I want a tablet? Well, and of everybody this size? that, that
3: looked at it, touched it, thought about it, was like, oh yeah, small tablets are really neat. Which made me think of. Do you guys remember from two thousand eleven? The HTC Flyer.
0: Oh my God. Yes.
3: So, the reason I thought of this is the HTC Flyer came out about a year before the original iPad Mini. It was an Android tablet, like seven inches or so, and you could use a stylus with it. And one of our producers, Creighton D. Simone, great guy, was obsessed with this thing. Carried it around. It was like, I'm doodling. I'm like being really productive. I've got all my stuff on it, and then I can hold it in one hand. And then the iPad Mini came out a year later, and it didn't have stylus, but it, like it like had that like, oh yeah, small tablets are great. And then... It, like slowly disappeared to mo- out of most people's minds, except for uh, Walter S. Mossberg, who still used and loved his. That now that it's come back, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this yeah. is great." Like I, I actually do like having a device this size and that social thing that you've been talking about, Neil. Like the the one handedness of it, the notebookness of it, mm-hmm. and potentially the stylusness of it. Having to be able to use a stylus so of it if you want to. Um, it, it has a different effect on the room. It doesn't carry that social baggage. And it reminds you of, like, it was really convenient to have, like, a little tablet.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I, yeah. Honestly, like, everyone just forgot about it. Like, maybe Apple didn't do a bad thing by letting the old one sit for almost four years. Yeah. So, like, everyone forgot that it exists. You know what? The group of people is bizarrely excited about this. They've, like, been tweeting me. It's, like, Pilots. Like pilots mm. are like, yep, this is the best thing for the cockpit that's ever existed. We just want iPad Minis. We finally have them. We're going to buy new ones. We're super into it. Uh, so there's all these like weird little use cases and corners. But for for me, it's literally comes down comes down to I don't I can't care like I just can't work on an iPad Pro. It's just, like never worked out for me. to uh, people, have different experiences, and I just think it's rude to have my phone all the time. So what what fits in this middle zone? It's this product, and it's four hundred bucks. And at 400 bucks, it's hard to like over nitpick it.
3: Right. Okay. So let's talk about the iPad Air for a second. Yeah. Um, I, I'm working on the review. It will include the phrase, it's an iPad, but <laughs> I don't actually think it's just an iPad. I think it's something more interesting. But I tweeted this thought and I've been rolling around in my head and I think I know the answer now, but I want to hear from you guys. We just had the re-release, the reintroduction of the MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. And now we have the reintroduction of the iPad Air. What do you think Air means now?
0: Hmm. The middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it means. Right? Right? They've it got means a, middle. It means the middle one. Well, it, but yep. it's
4: interesting because at one time it was aspirational and now it means middle. It was never so really it,
0: aspirational. Like it was aspirational for the first ever MacBook Air, which was mm-hmm. ridiculously expensive. Right? Yep. It was aspirational for the first iPad Air. No, the, the iPad Air was not priced like the Pro. Like it came out at the same price points as the iPad. Four Retina, was there an iPad Four Retina? There was, but and it was the best. They moved thing. that one down. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was the best, best one. It was the. It newest was the best one.
4: iPad, and for yeah. a while, the iPad, or the MacBook Air, was this thing that was way expensive for what you'd get, but you aspired to have it because it was ridiculously thin. Yeah. and now it's a boring computer, and iPad Air is a boring iPad.
3: Well, no, but it's not as boring as the iPad. iPad. It's a little bit more expensive. Uh, I think what Air means is it means the middle one, and it means you take a Pro and you pull out a lot of the stuff that makes it super expensive, and then it becomes an Air. So a MacBook Pro has a uh, you know a brighter screen, a couple more ports, maybe depending on which one you get. It's got the Touch Bar. It's got you know. Really high end GPU. It's got a decent processor. Well, so then Apple's okay. So take all the stuff that a normal person won't notice day to day when they're like browsing the web and checking email, yank that out. It becomes the error. I think the same thing applies to the pro. What do you lose? Well, uh, the screen is, I think, slightly worse on the Air compared to the Pro, I, it, at least in terms of it doesn't have that, like, you know, that nice rounded. It, does, and it, it doesn't, doesn't, have has, doesn't have ProMotion. It doesn't have ProMotion, but it sells has True Tone. Um, you, you lose a couple extra speakers and you get a step down in processor. Will the average iPad user miss any of that? I think that you also lose USB-C. Um, the average iPad user will not. Uh, the The one step down that I've noticed going from a Pro back to an Air is, oh, God, the sound's coming out of one side of it, <laughs> which is, like, really weird. I, like, didn't think I cared about that. and like, But once it's gone, you're like, oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, whatever. And the other nice thing about the Air is the iPad Air is – before, if you wanted to buy an iPad, you had an incredibly terrible choice in front of you. You can buy a $330 iPad and then if you want to type something, you got to find like a Bluetooth keyboard or and you're like, I just want I want that keyboard connector. I want to be able to have a keyboard if I want it. Um, and in order to get there, you would have to spend three to four hundred dollars more. Just a ridiculous choice. Uh, you either have to get a Bluetooth keyboard or you have to spend like three to $400 more. And now you're looking at the base iPad and you're like, what if I want a, just a little bit nicer one? It's sitting right there. It's like $100, 150 bucks more. And there you go. I think they're going to sell a ton of these. Um, maybe not a ton... On like the grand scale of consumer electronics, because we know that iPad sales aren't as gangbusters as they once were. But I think that a lot of people who would have otherwise bought the cheap iPad and been kind of bummed a little bit and they weren't sure why, but they knew that the keyboard thing was there, will buy the more expensive iPad and be
0: super happy. So Apple told me that the $329 iPad is by far the best selling iPad, which is super interesting to me. Uh, Makes sense. Cheapest one. What is most interesting to me is the amount of people who are currently cross-shopping the old 10.5-inch Air with the new – or the old 10.5-inch iPad Pro with the new yeah. 10.5-inch Air. That's an
3: impossible. They're the same th- – I mean – They're so
0: close to being the same. People
3: will come at me about the processor, but I don't care, man. They're the same freaking thing. The box that Apple gave us to review uh, the key- for the keyboard – uh, was the iPad Pro keyboard? It says iPad Pro keyboard on the box. <laughs> like it's just like, and <laughs> yeah. I, I use the ten point five. I bought the ten point five Pro, and it w- it's been my iPad. So I'm trying to review the iPad Air, and it's actually really difficult because it's just my iPad. It feels yeah. exactly
0: the same. It's I mean it's defined. That's and that's kind of like the part spin idea again. Yeah, they took in a ten point five inch iPad Air. They put took out two speakers. They gave yep. it a slightly worse display. Uh, no promotion. Uh, and they added an A12 instead of an A10X. I think the yep. A10X versus the A12 is like kind of a wash. I don't like, I yeah, literally uh, do not think anyone uh, will ever notice. Probably, yeah. But like the move they made with the MacBook Air was
3: they took a MacBook Pro and they took out a bunch of stuff and replaced some stuff and put some you know, less expensive parts in it. And then they gave it a wedge because people like the wedge. Yeah.
0: Same great keyboard though. Uh, like just looking around, tons of places, Best Buy, what have you, are selling the old 10.5 inch Pro for 499 if you mm-hmm. if you're like the iPad Air at 4.99 is the thing. I'm gonna, you should just buy the old Pro. I'm just telling you right now. Buy the, you will like having promotion and the two extra speakers more than you like eight more months of iOS 16 support or whatever. Yeah, it's like that. that old Pro is going away though. Like it's not. Yeah, be you got ca- to catch it while well, it's hot. But I, I think that's like a. It's just there. Right, right now, it's there, and it's a better product at that price than the Air. The the thing that bothers me about the new
4: iPad Air, new iPad Mini, is that this is Apple's old design language and they've yeah. already shown their new design language. So it feels like when you're buying this, like, yeah, Apple's a little slower to update iPads, So maybe it'll be two years until there's a refresh, but you know, this is, it's sort of the last of the breed. I mean, Neela, you got a little bit into the the fact that this is lightning instead of USB-C, you know, there's a lot of this that's for like backwards looking. And so, as much as these seem like great buys, if you actually need them right now, it is definitely one of those cases where there is something much better, seemingly theoretically, around the corner.
0: I think I've come around to the idea that Lightning is never going away. Go ahead, dude. Yeah,
3: I was just gonna say that's the dark thought: is these aren't backward looking at all. These aren't backward because Lightning is never going away. The next iPhone's gonna
0: ha- these these iPads make me think the next iPhone is gonna have Lightning. Oh, you know why I think that? Because the new AirPods have Lightning too. Yeah, <sighs> right. Like. Lightning is he? Apple had an insane answer. What, I asked him, you know, 10 different ways. Like you do. Like, I'm, you know, you're like a journalist, you're like sneaky. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> don't like, say that. You like ask him, you like go through the front door and then you try to sneak in the window if you can't get How in the front come, door. Why not lightning? I was like, let me throw some letters at you. You ask, <laughs> just smile if you like these letters. Uh, no, I was, like, asked him like five different times, right? And their answer was, "We think USB-C is a pro feature," which I understand in the context of an iPad. Right, what they're talking about is this enables you to to plug your fancy digital camera right in and get a high transfer speed. This enables you to, you know, plug in a 4K display or whatever you're going to do with it. Yeah, like, I get it. I What it does enable me to do is tether my camera to it and do live shooting the way I can with my <laughs> Yeah, right. First of all, USB-C on the iPad is, like, so limited anyway. But yeah. they're, like, the the higher throughput of the bus is, like, why it exists and why we want it there. We want to enable all these use cases. It's pro, pro, pro. Only pros want to do this stuff. Everything else is wireless. And then they're, like, no no one's going to do that stuff on, on these iPads. But the idea that USB-C, which, like, literally every phone except for Apple phones has as their charging standard, is a yep. pro feature, is yep. fundamentally ridiculous. Yeah. Uh so I you know I, I think they're, they're, it's a distinction they're making between sort of like what do the what does a big base of consumer iOS devices use? It is lightning. And then we have this like w- middle ground of the iPad Pro that's closer to the MacBook and we're going to put USB-C on it. But I I think I just think lightning is going to be here for a long time. I think the iPhone going to lightning or the iPhone going to USB-C is a beautiful dream that will never ever ever become reality. Yeah. Just it's lightning is a nicer port fundamentally too. It's smaller, so I, we'll just see. Maybe I'm wrong, but based on that answer, and again, I really did ask them like ten different ways. <laughs> uh, I was like, "What does pro mean to you?" Like it was like every which way I could get at it, uh, and they weren't they weren't having it. Speaking of the AirPods, we should talk about the AirPods. Yeah. By the way, Dieter, in case you missed it, 15 times in my video, Dieter will have an iPad Air review next oh, week. God. <laughs> so then the AirPods come out. That was Wednesday. That's Wednesday. So we're going in like a, weird, we're starting in the middle, we're going to the end, and then we'll jump back to the beginning. Well, because they also did max the, in the middle, but like the Mac, whatever. <laughs> the Mac briefing was crazy, but AirPods. So AirPods come out, they've changed the chip from W1 to H1, which stands for headphones. The W chips will remain in the watch, where it has yep. gone, I believe, from standing for wireless to watch. There you go. H1 chip basically does a couple things it pairs faster, uh, yep. it is Bluetooth 5 now. Uh, but mm-hmm. still running Apple's like if you to use it with an Apple device, it still runs some custom Apple stuff on top of Bluetooth 5. But it's yeah. Bluetooth 5 now, so it'll work better. Will, other. It, will
3: it let me. Will it let me be paired to two devices at once and know which where the audio is coming from.
0: I don't. I don't know. Okay, we'll see. That's fine. We're we're, we're gonna get them soon. We'll find out. So Sigh. Uh, has faster pairing, both like out of the box with the thing, faster switching between Apple devices. So it's That's two times huge. two times faster to switch from, like, a phone to a Mac and back again, uh, faster out-of-the-box to pair. Um, and it has a better, basically, DSP, like, noise cancellation for the mic. So when you're outside and you're on a call, it'll sound better.
2: And okay. then
0: to the person that you're talking to, not to you. This is, like, I realize it's very confusing to describe. It has better noise cancellation on the microphone so that right. when you are talking, the other person can hear you better. And then it has, obviously, Hey Siri support. So you can say, Hey Siri, it'll, like, let up. Hooray! Like new AirPods. Big news is a uh, wireless charging case, which is Qi, which is cool. LEDs yeah. on the front now, lightning on the bottom. That's so you get that package for two hundred bucks. You can get it without wireless charging for like hundred and thirty bucks, hundred fifty bucks, something like that. I think it's uh, maybe one sixty. Anyway, yeah, yeah, some like number that. of bucks. Middle, yeah. the middle number of bucks. And you can just if you already have AirPods, you can get just the wireless charging case for your existing AirPods for eighty bucks. Uh, I asked them about recycling AirPods. What 160 yeah, sorry. Yep. 160 bucks, And they're like, yep, just bring them in. We'll recycle them for you, which has been a big question yeah. in the world. So I'm, I want to dig a little bit f- deeper on that because they're basically made of glue. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> AirPods are like 100% glue. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of want to know what they mean by recycling. But, you know, they, they feel disposable. And I, I think it's, Apple has a commitment to recycling. So they say they're going to recycle them, which is cool. Oh. Um, notably, they're cheap. They are not meant to be charged by AirPower, which is the wireless charging mat that Apple announced in 2017, and everybody thought it would come out this week. There was a rumor. I think the Wall Street jo- uh, Journal published something. Why does Qi make that true? Wasn- wasn't AirPower going to be Qi compatible? Uh, that was it. Was built on Qi. There was some like story about um, like the Qi people fighting with the Apple people. Right. I just think like the like the Apple Watch isn't Qi, right? Okay. So I think if Apple is going to put out its new wireless charging. AirPods, the the most Apple move is to say it charges wirelessly over AirPower. AirPower can also charge your other Qi devices, but the AirPods charge like what? That's the most Apple thing they would do. Yeah, right. Like the phone is Qi because you know you got Qi stuff everywhere, but uh, the AirPods and your watch, you got to buy the AirPower. But no, the the, in the second I saw the AirPods charge over Qi, I was like, AirPower is not coming this week. There's (laughs) there's no way they give up all of those attached sales of new AirPods to, like, some garbage cheap ads on Amazon. Uh, Do you think we dreamed
4: Apple's announcement of the AirPower? It's like a collective fantasy. No, because
0: it's all over the place. It's like uh, there's, like, pictures of it that people keep finding on, like, random international Apple websites. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a new one today on the Australian website. There's there's code out on iOS 12. That, like, obviously shows air power. like all, Yeah, but you could say there's a lot of evidence of,
4: of, like, a Roswell, like, government conspiracy to cover up aliens and stuff like that,
3: you know? <laughs> but, yeah. There's
4: a lot of evidence out there.
3: The Wall Street Journal
0: did say that they've
3: approved the manufacture of air power.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there's been analyst reports. But, look, we're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow is Friday. By the time you're listening to this, we could be totally wrong. Air power could be out. Um mm. so just go ahead and tweet at Dieter if that happens. He's out oh back on. Uh, you
3: know what you know what I'll do if if it if it comes out and you tweet at me, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make a face. I'm gonna air glower. glower. It's good. It's good, <laughs> Dieter.
0: You did a great job. <laughs> your, your mother's very proud of you. <laughs> uh anyway, it's income. But Charge over Chi. Uh, AirPods sound bad. I just need to say it as much as I can. They don't sound great. And I don't know how we went from the—they sound exactly like earpods. Remember those, Mm. the wired ones? Yeah. Everyone in the world knew earpods sounded bad, but then we cut off the wires. Now everyone's like, "These are the best product Apple's ever made." And it is true. They are very convenient. They pair very nicely. It is fun to flip the case. All the, all the sort of like, cultural aspects of it are great. It's a meme. People love them. But I just, I just need to tell you, it's a very good meme.
4: Yeah, and it's all. It's also I. I liked seeing stuff like the H1 chip in the sense that like tech companies do lots of different things, but a lot of times it looks like the thing that this tech company has done was dreamed up like by some people in a boardroom trying to figure out how they can capture a market, and then there's other things that tech companies do that were obviously some engineers in a basement with a stopwatch, and that seems like a lot of what this H1 stuff is like. It's just gonna pair faster and switch between devices faster and the battery's going to last longer. Like that I mean, you know, there's also just the march of Moore's law that also helps them out. But I, I, that's that's really exciting because it's just quality of life improvements for something that a lot of people use all
0: day. I think the Apple story fundamentally is they they have their chip design team, right? Like they they bought some small chip companies and they made them a big chip company inside of like a huge company and that pushes them forward in a way that no one else has Really been able to match. So, like, mm. if if there's a reason for Apple's dominance, it's like their in house chip design team, which is doing the A series processor, which is like lapping the field, which is doing these custom controllers like the H1. Like, all that stuff is cool. Like, no doubt. I just think maybe they should, you know, Dr. Dre works there. They could be like, do you sound good? And <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to tell them. <laughs> like, that'd be cool. Like, I, just a fact. Trent Reznor on the Apple payroll. You can just ask him. Do they they sound any good? Like, maybe he would tell you. Lady Gaga, she's not Polaroid's creative director anymore. You should bring her in. (laughs) (laughs) Free agent. (laughs) Free agent creative director Lady Gaga rolls in, tries on some AirPods. Some people think they sound great. I just – and a lot of – whenever I tweet about that, people are like, they're great for phone calls and they're great for podcasts, uh, which is true. But every time I'm on an airplane and I see somebody walk in wearing AirPods, I'm like, you're not going to be able to hear shit because they don't cancel anything. Like, you're going to hear engine noise and, like, a little bit of a podcast. And then every now and again, I watch those people try to turn on the movie on their seatback display and then look at their AirPods in despair and then ding the light because they are <laughs> <fire laughs> <iPhones. laughs> Just a fact. All right, last thing Apple announces this week, new iMacs. This is all chip stuff. Paul, tell me. It's eighth-generation Intel chips and some medium good Vega graphics?
4: Uh, At a couple of ninth generation chips, typically you have to like custom configure. Apple has taken the past... I'd say, four years of computer technology, mostly from the laptop world, and smeared it over its iMac line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like... Like, you can like, get a, a,
3: like a really messy bagel, those iMacs. Yeah,
4: yeah, you know those spreads that, like, they're really tasty and flavorful, but they kind of rip up the bread a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like the, the iMac Pro, you can now get a Radeon Pro Vega 64X with 16 gigabytes of RAM which is a 2-year-old GPU. Wait, the iMac Pro or the iMac? In the iMac Pro, there's a $700 upgrade option which is the Radeon Pro Vega 64X. Mm-hmm. And that is a GPU that came out 2 years ago. Right, but the new iMacs that came out, those are new Vegas or old Vegas? Uh, I mean there's like a, a lot of like 2018 type GPUs. There's nothing yeah. new <laughs> in these. There's I mean there are there are new er chips. They are an upgrade from existing iMacs and existing iMac Pros. Uh, But there is nothing like that's that exciting. It's mostly 8th Gen. There's a little bit of ninth Gen in iMac. And mostly you have to pay for, you know, really crazy upgrades to get truly
0: new stuff. Yeah. So Apple, when they were, like, telling me about these, they they basically were just like, people use iMacs in ways that you don't expect. And it was fine. And they were like, you know, people use them in businesses and, like, Kids use them to learn to code and like families use them to look at photos. And at, just by the end of it, <laughs> you mean computers? <laughs> yeah. Like by the end of it, I was like, yes, the iMac exists. <laughs> but like it was just one of those moments where like Apple world is so disconnected from the rest of computing mm-hmm. because there are lots of other good looking all in ones now that people just buy. Right. Like it's not like everyone at HP just like fell off the face of the earth. They like looked at the iMac and like, we're getting our ass kicked. And they like made a computer that looks pretty good, and they, it's true that the new HP all-in-ones look fine. Uh, the Surface Studio exists, also full <laughs> of laptop parts. I've Got to be honest with you, but it exists. It's like a really interesting all-in-one. Uh, mm. And so, like I, at some point, you gotta wonder: like, does Apple feel that competition? It's the same thing with the Mini; they don't have any competition, so they're just kind of like, here is some new stuff. Like we just like bumped the chips in it. And then with the iMac, it's like you do have competition. Are you just not feeling it at all? Like I, I kind of wonder.
4: I don't know. Every time I see someone with an iMac, other than I understand there are certain people who are constrained to the Mac platform and need like an iMac Pro for some very specific reason. Other than that, it's just, a, but why? why? Why do you have this overpriced bin of laptop parts on your desk with a non-upgradable screen?
0: Well, because the, the, I will say I have uh, such a bin of non-upgradable laptop parts on my desk at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 5K display is amazing for the price point. Yeah. Mm. You can't really get that display elsewhere. You can you can go out and buy a screen and you've almost spent as much money as the iPad. Like you're basically getting a free laptop glued to the back of your five page (laughs) (laughs) display. Okay, fair. (laughs) Uh, It's like a weird way to think about it. And uh, that's so,
4: great. Like, like
3: from Paul's perspective, the laptop is smeared on, and from your perspective, it's slathered. <laughs> like yeah. it's like
0: a smear <laughs> of laptop over the back of a five K display. Uh, that's great. I mean, like, what do I use my laptop for at home? I like do some work. I edit a lot of photos of the baby, and the five K display is like tremendous for that. It's like, okay. I have it, but All right. once you configure it to the top end, you're like, this is crazy. Like this is legitimately ridiculous. Where is the modular Mac Pro Apple's been promising for over a year? Uh, It's not yet available. I imagine we'll see it at, like, WWDC in some way. That's my my guess.
3: You can spec up an iMac Pro with 256 gigs of RAM, and it only costs you an extra (laughs) $5,200. That's
4: (laughs) ridiculous. And on the the other end, the iMac, the 21-inch iMac, starts at $1,300 yeah that's a little well, like, That's way I, crazy you would struggle to spend more than six hundred dollars on an all in one at Best Buy that would most likely be fairly similar in performance,
0: yeah, but I bet they were there where every pc manufacturer cheaps out as a display it's yeah. true that's like true. that display would be like milky blue, right like you would watch a video on it, and like half the pixels would just like hold in place while the other half like up to, you know like they all cheap out this display. Apple rarely cheaps out on display.
2: Mm-hmm. I was going to
0: say never, but that 329 iPad is like a cheaped-out display. <laughs> uh, rarely cheaps out on display. So like it's it, there's something there. All right, we've gone on for way longer. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the event next week, which, if you may have noticed, Apple cleared the decks for by announcing everything else this week. We'll be right back.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work, so whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.
2: Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: We're back. Like I said, every day this week, there's been some Apple news, right? You had your iPads. You had your Macs. You had your AirPods. You had your iPad embargo for the reviews. Tomorrow's Friday. Who knows what will happen tomorrow when you're in your car? Macarena. You you could be driving along and suddenly air power just drops out of the sky. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but presumably Apple released all this stuff because they didn't want to talk about it at their event that's on Monday. It is – look, that list of things I said in, in years past would have just been an Apple event. New iPad Air, right? New model of Air. Updated IMAX, Updated iPad Mini. New AirPods. All that stuff – that's four new products. Apple would have happily thrown an event for four new products. Apple, Steve Jobs once made the entire tech press come to California to introduce the iPad, or the iPod Hi-Fi, which was just some speakers. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a time when this stuff would. They have get
4: ju- blowback when they do that. They this did. would have been a, a disappointing Apple event. They can't. They they've got to at least redesign one thing or launch some some one all new product. If they
0: had had Air Power, I bet they, this would have been like its own little hardware event.
3: Yeah, right.
0: And they would have they would have set expectations, and
3: so nobody. Yeah, that I mean, they when they introduced the iPad, iPad last year, the the new version, it was like an education focus, and so they had a whole uh. bunch of like education stuff, but they
0: just had the one thing. Yeah, they made an entire school full of children miss school for a day so they could mm-hmm. talk about how great they were in education. <laughs> 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 Anyways, but in years past, this would have been an event. It wasn't right. It's a slow drip of news all week. This week, so that on Monday everyone yeah. can be focused on their big event to announce their streaming TV service and their paid news bundle in Apple News. Yeah. And maybe some other stuff. We'll see. But I think it's just those two things. And what we keep hearing over and over again is this is a new kind of event for Apple. Like it, you can tell they're like the pressure's on, like they they're feeling it. So they cleared the decks. They don't want anyone to be distracted. Get all that stuff out of the way. They don't want people to show up and be like, "Where are the new AirPods?" Like, it's done. It came out in a press release on Thursday. It's got she shut up by this TV show. <laughs> 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 like, we're done with this. Like, focus on this. Uh, in this event, it, what's particularly weird about it is I think we already know most of the stuff. Yeah, and we—it's not like rumors necessarily. It is literally Apple has been putting out press releases about famous people they're giving money to for TV shows for, like, a year.
3: Yeah, and if it's not Apple, it's, you know, the, their producer or the studio that's making the thing or whatever. The, the, Hollywood has a different PR cadence, and so mm. like, we, like, we know the names of a lot of these shows. Like, yeah. We know the concepts behind them. We know who stars in them. Uh, we just don't know when they're coming out, how they'll be packaged, uh, and how much it'll cost. Right. So there's a, if they'll be
0: any good. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that of key point. Uh, so there's a show about like the morning news, like an office comedy starring Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. There's a, there's a show where Snoopy plays some sort of detective, I believe. That's a real fact that I heard today. I think
3: it's maybe an astronaut. An something. astronaut. Is he a detective yeah, Snoopy, or an astronaut? Snoopy teaches STEM, so science yeah. technology. Well, that's yeah. like being a detective. Yeah. math. You're discovering okay. the world. You're looking <laughs> for clues about how it all works. I'm not going to help you with this one.
0: (laughs) Whatever, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, So there's just like a long list of shows. And then there's like, you know, the Peter Kafka's of the world who know all the network executives. And so Peter wrote a story for Recode this week that's like, we kind of know what this looks like. Their, Their goal is not to compete with Netflix. Apple's goal is to not to get you to sign up for 10 bucks a month to stream a bunch of their original content. They have nowhere near enough original content to do that. They haven't licensed a massive library of old TV shows and movies the way Netflix did to launch. Their goal is we're going to bring you in with these exclusives inside of the Apple TV app. And then we're going to go to partners like Stars and Showtime and whatever, HBO, and we're going to make it easier for you to subscribe to them. And we'll take a cut off of that, which is very much an app store pricing model, right? Right. Well, doesn't Amazon already do that? Amazon, Amazon absolutely Amazon already does, does that. And so Kafka and one of the uh, cable executives on background this piece is like, this is just very incremental. Like this is – we understand this model. What Apple doesn't have is a partnership with Netflix. So they're not going to sell Netflix or have Netflix content in their TV app. There are some other big players out there who are apparently not participating.
3: We don't think HBO is going to participate, do we? Or do we know?
0: I think HBO will participate. Um, okay. But so you get, the, you get the shape of it, which is – you know, the Apple TV has always had this weird TV app on it. That TV app is in all the other devices as well, uh, or iOS devices as well. You make that the home screen of the Apple TV, and you start to say, do you want to look at HBO? Like, subscribe to HBO through Apple for $4 a month. Subscribe to a bundle of HBO and Showtime and Stars for $8 a month. And then you push the button, and then like those shows start to populate this TV app alongside Apple's originals. Right, and like that's a big model. Peter also reported that um, Apple is going to host the streams now, mm-hmm. so that it, you're not going to get kicked out into some other app. Apple, like the TV app, will start to do the work of streaming the content to you. That's but, actually kind of a big deal. That's a big um, deal
3: because like a bunch of these other apps, like they've been using BAM uh, to stream, or they they rolled their own and it sucked, or they use BAM because BAM was good. BAM is the one that did the good version of HBO you know, wrestling, blah, 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 but Disney bought them. And, like, all of those contracts are, like, they happen to be expiring right now. So Apple handling the streaming means that, like, you can trust that you don't have to go to another crappy app, and you can trust that the stream will actually, like, stay up during Game of Thrones, which uh, nothing else does except for BAM.
0: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, I, I just feel like we have the shape of it. Uh, the big question is, what's it really going to look like? How are the apps across all these devices gonna going to, like, operate? Are they going to yeah. release a version for the Mac? There's no TV app for the Mac. Are they going to do something on the web? Are they going to update the iTunes app that they just shipped for Samsung TVs to be called something else other than iTunes? Which is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so I mean, there's stuff to be like learned at this event. But there's a part of it It's like, this is going to be a, you know, 45 minutes of watching TV show trailers. Or like having famous people be like, we're so excited to work for Apple.
3: Yeah, no, that's, there, there's going to be a lot of famous people in the room, I'm sure of it.
0: What happened to the dream of, of this
4: being, like, three years ago or whenever rumors started of, of this being, like,
0: for cord cutting? Like, is, is there no live TV play in here at all? You know, so right now the TV app <laughs> sends hilariously delayed push notifications. So, like, it, you know, you like, it'll send you notifications like, the Golden State Warriors are mounting a furious comeback in the fourth quarter. And you, like, look, at the, and it's like the game's been over for three minutes. Like... They have this thing where they they do want to kick you to ESPN. They do want to kick you to – so I think sports in particular because Eddie Q loves sports. But I think that will be like we're going to disaggregate the ESPN app and like layer that through here. Or we're going to have you push a button and go to that. I don't think they're going to do like the Sling TV, the PS View sort of like streaming service cord cutter thing because honestly those products are just not great. Right.
3: Yeah, and they're, they're, uh, they're also not consistent across the country. Yeah. Yeah. You, you never know what you're going to get. They're so Like hard to use DVRs in your web browser.
0: Yeah, which at one point was my dream. <laughs> Don't get me okay. wrong. Like a complicated web-based DVR was once the pinnacle <laughs> of technology, but I, we've just moved on. How about this? At near the after forty five minutes of watching trailers
4: for PG and PG thirteen rated TV shows.
3: Ooh, PG thirteen. Uh, I don't know, man. That might be okay, a little we'll, bit risque for Apple.
4: <laughs> Sorry, don't want to push push it. Um, PG rated TV shows. Uh, the lights dim, and then Jane Munster walks
0: out and announces an <laughs> Apple television. Yeah, that's what I want most of all. Uh, there's just like, no way that's gonna happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think they put the iTunes app on Samsung TVs that they're getting ready to release their own TV. Yeah, uh, what I think true. is crazy is, like, you know, the, the Apple TV story starts sort of in, like, the modern era with Steve Jobs telling Walter Isaacson that he's, like, quote, cracked it. Mm-hmm. He's going to build the simplest TV. He's, like, finally figured it out. And, like, we've just, not, just stumbled our way to this place where they're going to sell, like, a, a Showtime subscription in this TV app. And, like... I have a lot of doubts. I'm just gonna be really honest. Like I always have a lot of doubts with streaming services. Like we're in the we're in the moment with streaming wars, you know. And like I do think we should make the Go 90 tracker of success. And like I do think the I, Warner I, one is gonna go 90. And I do think you know like Disney Plus will be a success. I built the tracker. I you built the tracker. Yeah, you go to Gone
4: 90.biz. You have to use a desktop because I don't have drag and drop working on mobile. It's Gone 90.biz, and then you just drag all the different streaming services. And and you you make it your own scale. So if you put like Netflix on the left and then Go ninety on the right, and so it's on a scale of Netflix oh, to Go ninety. incredible. There's also a Queeby mode,
3: and it just turns everything into Queeby logos. Um, <laughs> I love that you add. There's an add piracy option, and that that's what adds Plex. <laughs> yeah, Plex and popcorn time. Oh, this is tremendous. All right, so
4: go gone 90.biz and uh, yeah, tweet a screenshot of your your rankings and uh, also uh, there's probably a lot of things I should add. But
3: what's the what's the scale on the left and the right? What are the labels?
4: You choose. Okay. So I put I put Netflix on the left and Gone 90. I feel like that is the spectrum of streaming properties.
3: Yeah. Why does Queeby get such a giant logo and everybody else is small?
4: <laughs> because I, I ran a script to auto-resize everything to like 100 pixels wide. And so okay. it just depends on the aspect ratio. Gotcha. This is tremendous. The logo.
0: Well, I think you should fix Go90 and Netflix on the scale to make it clear for people.
4: Oh, just always put them there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's I'll the, try to do that
4: before we release The Go90
0: the scale of success.
4: Maybe that'll be a button. Recommended scale of success. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you saying that like
0: other people might potentially pick the crunchy roll to Criterion channel yeah. scale of
4: success? Yes. I want to know what you think.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, I'm the only reason I'm so skeptical is mm-hmm. it doesn't sound simple, right? It sounds like another thing that you have to pay for that's going to ask you to pay for more stuff that yeah. won't have all the stuff.
3: And I already pay for all sorts of stuff. What if it just becomes, like, Amazon's thing isn't simple either, but it is because I get it through Amazon Prime, which I use Mm. to pay for other services, and then it's just kind of there, and it's another thing that keeps me in Prime. What if Apple, like, just does the bundle and makes Apple Prime, and you get uh, iCloud storage that isn't ridiculously low, um, which you have to pay for now, and you get Apple Music, and you get the, you know, the news thing, and you get the the TV thing. Yeah, but what's in the TV thing? Well, who cares? Right. If, it, if it's if it got like enough, if it's got a f- like five things, yeah, you're buying it for the iCloud storage. And then so maybe you get a subscription to HBO?
0: Well, no, that's extra. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you get? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, what are you going to get? Like, here, you, you're get, the... you get the morning show. You get like Apple's eight shows that are good. But that's insanity. Well, I mean, it works for Amazon. No, Amazon
3: bought another library of stuff. Yeah, but like you, on Amazon you get like the Marvelous Miss Maisel, and you get uh, John Kranz, Krasinski's, uh, you know, Tom Clancy Punch People TV show, and you get, uh, you know, some other, like, specific Amazon Prime movies. It's nowhere near the library that you'll get from, you know, Netflix or uh, HBO or whatever, but, like, there are a few exclusive shows on Prime.
0: Yeah, I just want to point, but Amazon also made, like, Manchester by the Sea.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right,
0: they're, like, they're playing, like, they're, they're playing at that level, Right, And they bought this huge library of other stuff where they're like, do you want to watch The Martian? It's free on Prime streaming right now. Apple just has its, like, 25 shows where Tim Cook is giving notes like, please make them less mean and don't show (laughs) Apple products in a negative light. Like, uh, what I'm saying is the Amazon strategy makes sense because you buy Prime and then you get, like, a reasonably good Netflix clone along the way. Right. Right. And then they're going to make some more originals. By the way, Amazon's originals program, like it's TV studio, film studio operations, uh, notable disaster. Like Mm -hmm. not going well, falling apart, executive turnover. Jeff Bezos is like, we got to make more mass market stuff. We can't just do all this like niche premium stuff. But then they also have like the library of TV shows and movies that like is fake Netflix. Or then you have Netflix where you just like pay 12 bucks a month and literally any interest you might have there's at least a C plus show you can watch. Yeah. Like just down the line. And then there's also Shits <laughs> Creek, which is a delight, but like literally you're like anything. I want to see dogs. And it's like, here's 50 shows about dogs. We mm-hmm. just made them. Like, I don't even know who did them. Here they are just like all day and all night. And you're like, I want to watch spunky children fighting aliens and Amazon and Netflix is like, here's some remix stuff we made. Here's the Punisher. Nothing happens for the middle four episodes, but you're going to like it. Like I, I just I don't see Apple doing that. Apple doesn't
4: need to to do that. They don't need to defeat Netflix. They just I don't I guess they don't know what they want people to do. They need to they want people to just live in their little bubble, in the little Apple bubble and hang out there more more time in the Apple Apple land.
0: Yeah. I mean their whole pivot is to services revenue. So they right. want you to spend more yeah. time on their devices in Apple services where you will spend more money. Got it. Nailed it. Right? If they if ten percent of iPhone owners spend one dollar, right? They've made a hundred million dollars. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, but I just, it's just to me, it's crazy that they haven't. I this is what they're gonna. Maybe they, they maybe they did buy a big old you know old library of stuff, and that yeah. you know that's possible. maybe that's why
4: Netflix has no old movies on it. Apple owns them all.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like possible. I, the reason I'm saying like they haven't. In a definitive way before the event is what Dieter was talking about before. The cadence of Hollywood is so different. Right. We already know. Like, there's a post mm. on our website. Here are the shows Apple's going to launch. Like, just confirmed over and over again. Like, we kind of know what that catalog looks like. What we don't know is like what's the sell to the the average iPhone owner? How are you going to buy it? And then that sits next to pay for Apple News now, and you'll get mm-hmm. access to like a range of paywalled magazines and potentially the Wall Street Journal. And that to me is like actually sounds pretty good, right? Like no ads, no tracking, like a bunch of high quality magazine stuff that I don't like running in the paywall. Like I'll take it. But how much is that going to cost on top of everything else? I like this Apple Prime idea. Yeah, I mean, they've also there's also rumored they're going to put out a credit card next week with yep. Goldman Sachs. So What if
4: you could buy groceries at
0: Apple stores? Think about it. That would be incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like a the Genius Bar is replaced by the snack bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, we'll see. Monday, I think Monday's gonna be a big day, but I think you just look at this week where they just cleared the decks of every other question that people had about their existing line of products, right? Are you gonna update AirPower? What's going on with the iPad Mini? What's going on? These iMacs have been updated in like 600 days. Like, they just like did it. Like, here's a bunch of new stuff. We're gonna own this week of news. We're gonna take the focus off the gadgets and we're gonna talk about ourselves as a services company with our big streaming service and news service launch. There's also a little bit of a rumor that they're gonna do something with games. But I got my doubts.
4: Yeah. Gene
0: Munster, Apple
4: Television. We've remastered all your shows in 5K.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like they should just make a TV. At the end of this all. Oh, here's another question. Are they going to lower the price of the Apple TV? Yeah, they need to. It's really expensive. Roku's killing them at like $39. Are they going to make a little stick? Like, I doubt we'll hear about any of that stuff on Monday, but they need scale for these services. I don't think they can just count on like iPhone owners to watch, you know, whatever shows they make on their phones. Like they got to hit TVs. I walked you
4: through my my parents like Apple TV upgrade saga, right? They no. they, they they were they were going to get a new Apple TV cuz the old Apple TV was dying cuz Apple stopped still supporting it. So go to Best Buy to get a new Apple TV. Oh, those are like $200. Well, you could get a whole TV for like Two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. So they got like a six hundred dollar visio. That's like enormous. Yeah. But it all started with just wanting to get a new Apple TV, but they were real
0: expensive. Yeah, no, that's right. You go in, you you spend, you know, eight hundred dollars on like the TCL with a Roku. It's got Dolby Vision. It mm-hmm. looks beautiful. It's like one of the best TVs it's reviewed. It will track the shit out of you mm-hmm. uh, until the day you die. Uh, but it does the job. And, like, I think most people (laughs) don't care. Like, I think that's just the answer. Like, most people just want the big screen. And so Mm -hmm. now you got to convince them. I I think Apple has to find a cheap way into that. I don't think it's just AirPlay 2 on a Vizio. Like, if their solution to getting people to watch this uh, reboot of Amazing Stories is to have everybody with a Vizio TV AirPlay it from their iPhone, like, I think they've they've probably made it. It's probably a miss. Feels like a miss. The rumor is that they, they gave Samsung the exclusivity, and they'll roll out the app to everybody else over time. But that's just a rumor. Who knows? All right. Real quick. would you? Are you, you going to, like, insta-sign up for the streaming service? No. Paul, absolutely not. Paul's Although, clicking the, he's clicking the piracy mode button right now. I have this feeling that some of these shows
4: are going to be bad enough to be like memeable. Like it's going to be like a can't miss cultural event of like Apple trying to entertain you with television. And so that I'll be sad about, but
0: I don't think I'm going to pay, pay for it. I am very excited for this event. I'm very excited for this pivot. I'm very excited for Apple to like confront what it means to put actual cultural products into the world as opposed to just talking about like AirPods as being the culture. Right, like Apple believes that it's like a fashion and culture company, like the ecosystem of yeah, Apple Watch. Apple believe. loves
4: b- musicians and artists, while Spotify steals from them and oh, sues them. I can't.
0: <laughs> oh, that story is so annoying to me. <laughs> I said we weren't going to do tech policy on this on the show, so, but sorry. if you want a hot ten minute rant about Apple and Spotify, I can deliver. You know, it we're ends.
3: already. We're,
0: <laughs> Break him up. That's all I'm saying. All right. I won't do it. Know, maybe I'll do it after this. We're gonna take a break or come back. All right, we're back. Paul Miller. Mm-hmm. Every week. Always. You bring the Vergecast home with a segment that you like to call I believe I have met this robot dog
4: before in a past life. <laughs> Deja <laughs> dog. Have you guys seen this? That's this tombot? Yeah so so you know, there's that that' that therapy seal I think kind of yeah. started it all all' it like so this idea that there are people who uh, for whom it is therapeutic to have something like an animal to pet and to, to hug and to love, uh but they for whatever reason can't have a real animal, so they have a robot um and this is just you know moving along that um. That spectrum. This is a, a robot that was designed by the uh, the Jim Henson uh, Creature Shop, and mm-hmm. that's possibly why this dog looks so familiar to me. But I cannot <laughs> put my finger on it. Like it kind of looks like. I mean, there there is like a Muppet aspect. Like maybe there's a little bit of Ralph. Yeah, but also. It it's like one of the, like the Chris's and the Avengers maybe or like Matthew McConaughey. Like <laughs> I can't, Paul I can't decide.
0: What you can't robot. decide if this robot looks like Matthew McConaughey, Chris or, Hemsworth, or a Muppet.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like uh, uh, Dami um who's the what's the from Neverending Story the dragon? Thing? Uh, yeah, I see that in there.
3: Falcor? yeah, yeah,
4: <sighs> but it's just. I don't know. It's it's like someone I know very well from many blockbuster films is has put on a mask and is now a robot dog that's therapeutic. Here's my
0: question. Yeah. Why isn't there... Oh, there is. I was going to say, why isn't there a Falcor Technologies? Because that sounds like the name of an evil company in a movie. Mm. Uh, yeah. But did you know that Falcor is the innovative data platform that powers the Netflix UI? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right. I actually think I did know that. <laughs> uh, well, I love this dog. Uh, this yeah. dog called was a Sensation on the internet. It, also, it, surprisingly affordable. How much is the dog? Less than It's like $300 for
4: early backers, so it's probably a $600 dog. But like Ibo is almost
0: $3,000. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm buying this dog. Becky's wanted a dog for a long time, and I think this Matthew McConaughey dog <laughs> is the way to go. <laughs> Very obviously. All right. Dieter, tell me about Stadia. Oh, my God. They're, what okay, symptoms so. can it, What symptoms do what it cause?
3: I think that was a Steven Sanofsky joke on Twitter, by yeah. the way. So I just give full credit there. So Google uh, announced a streaming service with one game. Uh, they haven't announced all the games um, or the price. But it has one game, but there is another
4: game that will also come to it.
3: Yes. So it is a video game streaming service that has the following advantages. It sits... In Google's data centers, uh, where they stream the games to you, uh, which means that they theoretically will have better latency than other gaming stream ser- streaming services of the past. Um, you can buy a Stadia controller uh, for an undetermined price, and it uh, actually c- connects via Wi-Fi directly instead of like through a console, which means that that will also theoretically help with latency. It will be streamable to uh, Chrome browsers, Android tablets, Android phones. Unclear if it will stream to, say, the Chrome browser on an iPad. My hunch is no. Or a uh, Chrome browser on like an iPhone. My hunch is no. Because it's basically just a streaming video uh, and all the stuff happens in the cloud, you get a bunch of advantages. So one, if you're playing it on your phone, it's the same hit on your battery as though you were streaming a video. So you're, you can play for longer.
0: It saves states across devices. Wait, can we These... just back up for one oh, second? Oh god, I can keep going. No, I want you to keep going. Yeah. I just want you to unpack that real quick because I think the fundamentals of game streaming uh-huh. are much simpler than people think. Right. So basically all that's happening here is your controller talks to a game running in the cloud. Right. And they've managed to minimize latency between your controller and the cloud and yep. the video streaming to your Chromecast or whatever. Right. So that it looks like your controller is controlling something that's happening locally. Directly. So they're just streaming right. a video to you. They're just streaming a video to you, and you're controlling the video with your. And control. you're controlling the video with your controller. It's like it's like Bandersnatch,
3: but faster. And no um, one's ever managed
0: to pull this <laughs> off before. I think is the, the key. Correct. Uh,
3: yeah. And we uh, we would be filled with uh, unending levels of skepticism and doubt uh, if Google hadn't done this Project Stream beta earlier in the year, where we were like, oh, actually, this is this is this is okay. But that doesn't mean that we are fully bought in, and we think that the latency won't be a problem. Because uh, I'm not. I think that you'll be able to play a bunch of games that'll be super fun. But I think that if you're a twitchy first-person shooter kind of person, uh, I think you're going to have slightly more problems uh, with the the latency here. You also need like the fl- they said like also it plays great on terrible connections. Like look at look at it on this 15 meg down connection. It's like have you have you been to America <laughs> where where 15 meg down is like pretty good in a lot of places. Most yeah. places, in fact. I think they're recommending 25 down. Anyway, there's the nerdy stuff of what what are the actual gaming like hardware that they're going to put in their data centers. And I think Paul can tell us about that. And then there's a very, very uh, complex discussion about its interaction with YouTube. You can save stuff directly to YouTube. You can like click a button to get YouTube like tutorials on the thing you're stuck on. And if you're watching a game on YouTube, they will just litter the, the YouTube uh, webpage with Play Now buttons. There's just going to be links everywhere, but instead of opening up a web page, it's going to open up a game
0: in Google Service. I'm I like super the, into that. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, I will say my uh, my big question here is one: Why do they name it Stadia? Yeah, so I don't know. It's not great. And two, like again, this works in theory. There's actually been some companies that have done it before. You're on Lives or what have you. Didn't uh, Sony bought GameFly or whatever? Mm-hmm. What was it called? Is that what it was called? Yeah, um, I think so. And then Microsoft is going to be doing this later this year, too. Like, they're they're coming next. Anyway. And Microsoft's one is called xCloud. They say they're going yeah. to go big at E3. So it's coming. I, my, like, major question is, like, the economics of how games work doesn't really match up with, like, a subscription like this. So, like, a Halo you game. You don't know
3: that it's a subscription. You don't know that. You could have to pay for each game individually. Like, we have no idea what the pricing model is. That's you true. It could still be 60 bucks a game.
0: Um, I just fully yeah. assume it's going to be a subscription. I don't know why. I just fully assume it's going to be a subscription. Wait, how, does, how does the gaming not line up with subscription?
3: Well, how, if you want to play Assassin's Creed 3 or 5 or whatever the latest one is. Assassin's Creed, pick your historical context. The latest one, <laughs> I think, is Greece. Do you have to buy Assassin's Creed or... Do you, does it part of a subscription or is it like Xbox gives you, uh, you know, in their thing. And even Sony does this a little bit where you get like a bunch of old games and like random Mm -hmm. indie games, but then you buy the AAA games. If there's a subscription here, I think that's more likely. Um, or it could just be that like, you got to pay the subscription to get like your save states in the cloud and just have access to the service. And then you have to buy the games on top of that. Unclear which of those are, but like. People pay for PlayStation Pro and, and Xbox Live subscriptions all the time, and yeah. Nintendo Switch cons- subscriptions. Like that's just part of the industry. And the only question is, what will will that subscription for Stadia give you access to games or not?
0: Yeah, and I just for whatever reason, I think I just assumed, just the way that Google works and the way that they want to make it easier to play games. I don't think you can put up that subscription. I don't think you can have. You know, you're watching some streamer on YouTube playing some AAA game with like play now buttons, and you hit it, and Google's like, "That'll be sixty dollars, please." Like, right? Like, that doesn't feel in line with that goal of we're gonna blur the line between watching and playing. Because they they were talking about all kinds of crazy shit. Like, you're watching your favorite streamer play a game. You push the button. You're in the queue. You're gonna play against them next. Like, that is awesome. Like, that's a cool idea. But the idea that you're also gonna just like discover games this way. And constantly be purchasing those are they left a lot of questions wide open basically i mean but that that said if if, if people
4: are uh using these uh, a, a, a significant fraction of the time they're playing games let's say like an average gamer probably plays video games at least like four hours a day and so if someone's playing you know two or three hours on stadia a day that and, and, and uh, you know, Google listed their specs. The one thing that they were weirdly detailed about was some specs. Like, they've yeah. got a custom GPU that is equal to the PS4 Pro and the the Xbox One X. Combined. Combined. 10 yep. teraflops. They've got a custom x86 processor, which is wild, and 16 gigabytes of RAM. But in a sense, that almost doesn't matter because it's, I don't know, it's instanced. I, right that machine isn't dedicated to you it's hard to describe so they had this phrase we're giving the entire data center to the developer yeah and and i feel like google's actual vision here is not that you will rent from a library of old games right like it's not it's not the old timey netflix model where a lot of movies exist and we will allow you to watch them easily it's a it's a new timing model where we want we think that there are new types of experiences that would be possible. Like uh, one thing they mentioned is is something like a order of magnitude or, or definitely a lot more people in the same multiplayer game at the same time because everything is running all in the same place. Like the data center that is the multiplayer server is also the data center. That is the computer that is gonna blast the video of the game. And there's conceivably a lot of other other possible video games that aren't really about running one game on a machine, but you're just looking at views on a game. If that makes sense. Like like a typical multiplayer game like Overwatch, right? You have like, uh, however many people are, I think it's five on five. It's been a while since I've played Overwatch. You have five on five people, right? So that's 10 people playing a game, right? Yeah. So that's 10 machines, 10 instances of Overwatch. And then there's a server and that's running one instance of Overwatch and and that everybody's connected to that server for that one match. But in the Stadia model, it's possible that you could just run one game and blast out 10 video streams of that game, 10 different perspectives of that game as just streaming video. Uh, You know what I mean? So it's almost irrelevant what these specs are because it's not like all the experiences they are expecting to do are just dedicated playing Assassin's Creed by yourself.
0: Yeah, and obviously multiplayer is a much bigger deal than... Right, like, that's what people are watching other people stream on Twitch and on YouTube. It's rarely, Mm. like... I'm gonna watch this full let's play of Assassin, like one person slowly grinding through Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I like, I do it, but I, I like that's where the action is, Paul. And so I think mm-hmm. you're right. Like, the specs are irrelevant because they have nothing to do with you. You're not buying those specs. Next year, mm-hmm. they're gonna change. Yep. Right. Right. Like, they're gonna swap in some new cards. It's gonna be fine. Like, uh, I, I think they said that just because it's gaming and like that's flashy and fun. Right. And like the old consoles are at the end of their life cycle and the new consoles are right. going to come out. Like, I, I think the bigger point here is exactly what you described, which is can we re architect games, especially these like huge multiplayer games like run in this world?
4: And can we re architect games so that it's a platform lock in like the world has never seemed yeah, before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so I will say that Tim Sweeney, who's the CEO of Epic, is just like, been arguing with fools in my mentions for, like, uh-huh. three days. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Tim, come on the Vergecast anytime you want uh, instead of just tweeting with and around me. But, you know, there's, like, a lot of competition in PC gaming stores, which is great to see. Yeah. Right? Especially when, like I was saying, like, I can rant about the App Store versus Spotify all day and all night. The problem is there is that Spotify has nowhere else to go. If they want to be on the iPhone, Apple sets the terms. The, you know, the Epic store, uh, is like, what is, it's like 8812 is the split for developers mm-hmm. versus the store. Like they're not even trying right. to make money. Uh, Steam is something different. Like they're all over the place. I think that's great. Right? Like you're seeing this bifurcation, uh, on the console side, Microsoft does not seem to care about where Xbox live goes anymore. It's on the switch now with, uh, with cuphead. Like that's cool. Yeah. And then Google's like, we're going to have exclusives. And you only be able to play for states. Like this is insane. I don't like. It's so
4: weird because <laughs> the exclusives are simultaneously like my least and most favorite thing as someone who plays video games. Because exclusives mean that like, uh oh, like mom and dad are fighting, and now half of the good things will not be available to me. But exclusives also mean that this is a really hot market that that you know companies are are willing to sink a lot of upfront investment in to make a, a lot of games and entertainment to try to grab market share.
3: Console exclusives are the presents you get when your parents are divorced because they, they're really <laughs> trying to impress you.
0: Dieter, I just, I'm just i gonna go this with this. I'm gonna just take this as the next logical step. Strong, this yeah. implies that uh, Sony and Microsoft were once married. <laughs>
4: And and, Google Google is your prospective stepdad who's Uh, trying to win your love.
0: I truly, as someone (laughs) who is married to a divorce lawyer, I'm going to tell you, none of this is correct. Zero percent of this is accurate.
4: My parents have been in a loving relationship for my entire life, and I'm so really one to one them. last thing, uh,
3: which say, we're going to get into way more once this thing gets released later this year for whatever it costs, and you know whatever games that happen to appear on it besides Doom Eternal, is <laughs> I'm just going to quietly mention that uh, here is a titan of industry, the a company that like has a dominant share in online video mm-hmm. YouTube slightly threatened by an upstart competitor that got bought by another giant Twitch <laughs> yeah. using its market dominance in video to push a new service in a slightly different
0: domain yeah i think that's out there i was arguing with uh, russell Brandom about this yesterday uh, or whatever day study came out um yeah you're making the antitrust argument right like yeah. they're they're a giant they're going to they're going to leverage youtube to kill sony yeah, break them up. No, <laughs> uh, no. I'm actually I'm I'm less sympathetic to it in this case. Like their competitors are Microsoft and Sony, a little yeah. bit of Nintendo, right? That is yeah. fundamentally already a duopoly, right? Okay. In console yep. games, yep. Uh, in PC games, it's basically a monopoly. Right. There's like these additional stores, but it's all running on Microsofts.
3: Oh, John Porter, our reporter from the UK, pointed out, you know, like one piece, one way you could use this technology is, you know, run a desktop. And that uh, if this thing works, uh, you know, Stadia runs on Linux. And so Linux gaming will finally become a thing. And that means that this is the year of the Linux desktop. (laughs) <laughs> this, right okay so this i think is that boom right like
0: for
4: for linux gaming it really is
0: so you, you pull that all the way out there and like suddenly we're like linux desktop is gonna like they've gotta <laughs> do it Like i don't i don't think our antitrust conversation in tech i think it is great to say facebook is buying instagram which is a legitimate competitor we should prevent yeah. that because yeah. we don't want them to like monopolize upstart competition but google like spending a shitload of money next to youtube to say people on YouTube are already doing this thing and now we're just going to let them do it here, it just seems fine to me because it's yeah. not like... I don't think they're going to kill Sony and Microsoft. I really don't. Like, m- Microsoft is going to release a competitive service to this in a matter of months, right? Right. And it's going to be pretty good, probably, because Microsoft is good at video games and they're good at cloud stuff. Well, Google's really good at cloud stuff, at extremely games. medium at video games. Yeah. Right, like, I, there's, like... I. I don't know. I'm I just, like... Yeah, I'm not saying the, that, like... This I'm is the one where, s- like, the, this, gi- this, to Paul's but, yeah. point, the Giant tries something and just, like, falls off the cliff. You know, like, is the thing that le- leads Larry Page to, like, quit Google. Like, Sergey Brin is, like, You know, he's sitting at the edge of a trash dump holding a Stadia controller being like, this could have worked. Like, (laughs) you never know. (laughs) I mean, I'll be very sad in five years if I'm
4: complaining that, like, uh, my whole gaming library is stuck in Stadia and I'm trying to leave Stadia because they're spying on my children, but I can't leave Stadia because they have my... You know, like, that would be annoying. But if all they do is just add more competition and flexibility and, like, more options to an already... Like I I think that's one thing that's just really wonderful about gaming is there are so many choices you can play in so many different ways especially on the PC especially if you run Linux and, and it's got uh, <laughs> your graphics card has good vulkan support.
0: Oh my god. Oh my god. Paul, if this is the thing that makes like <laughs> Linux on the desktop like super happen, I will be so happy for you. <laughs> I will come out there. We're gonna do. We're gonna make some Linux PCs together. <laughs> it's gonna be great. All right, Where's thank that? You. I
3: will say this is the best thing that's ever happened to Android games ever because nothing like like gaming on Android relative to iOS has always been kind of eh, despite the fact that there's been many attempts to make Android gaming phones. Um, I think this is the best shot at making a really good Android gaming experience that we've seen in a long time.
0: But it's just gonna stream the video. Yeah, but you you need a connection to do that. Yeah. It's 5G, like, bro. If this stuff works on, like, go-go Wi-Fi. 5G at the edge. Actually, the one thing yeah. Google did not talk about was 5G. And this is, like, the prototypical 5G example. Right? Everyone talks about VR, mm-hmm. blah, blah, because of latency. But this thing that they're describing, a zero latency high bandwidth application, yeah. is a it, it, this is 5G. This is 5G stuff.
4: And by the way, 7,500 data centers or whatever... With high-end Linux PCs oh my God, and Paul. custom GPUs, that is not cheap. And so Google either is going to need to charge a lot of money for a subscription, or it's going to need to charge per game and also charge money as, I don't know, or this is a loss leader for something else that's evil, nefarious, or just a typical Google, I don't know, somehow... Organizing the world's information because isn't that yeah. what they're
3: always trying to do? It'll, you know will what? secretly scan your books. If they bundle Google Reader with Stadia, I'm in. Incredible.
4: <laughs> you you could run a local instance of Google Reader and it's yeah. doing the RSS scraping in
0: your local in your Linux desktop in the cloud. RSS <laughs> uh, at the edge. Well, no, so here's the thing: um, uh, Google Cloud is like not as uh, much of a competitor to Azure or AWS as like Google wants it to be. This is a way for them to just instantly drop a massive, successful application on Google Cloud. They can just do it. Yep. Um, and, they, and then they can go out to all these other customers. So like, of course it's Google. Like, Do you know how they're paying for those 7,500 data centers at first? Uh, the, the money they make on Google Search, which is also how they pay for Android. <laughs> like, It's fine. But I, at some point, this probably has to look like a business for them. Otherwise, you know, they're a public company. They can't just be like, we made Stadia because we're a bunch of nerds. We love it. We're just gonna lose money on it forever. Well, that's just—I I feel
4: like in the back of their mind is there this thing where it's like, well, even if the gaming thing doesn't work out, we need to deploy all this edge computing hardware, anyways.
0: Yeah, because five G is coming. I think we've we've determined this is a giant conspiracy to own the five G five G cloud. Is that true? I don't know. That's definitely not true. Yeah, I'm but not what going about
4: AK-AI?
0: Well, here I'll tell you this. Yeah, you know, uh, Google and Sony are partnered on a lot of things. Sony is not good at software, just a fact. I can I can I can tell you all about that from
3: my experience today, if you'd like. But yeah,
0: yeah, not great. I mean, at software. like, but Sony TVs run Android TV. Sony, you know, makes some phones every now and again, just for the yep. sake of doing it. There's a world in which the you know PS5 has like Stadia integration. I mean, kind of cool. The PS5 is just a Chromecast.
3: <laughs> That'd be amazing. They're like we didn't
0: we didn't get this right. Uh, yeah, it's a Chromecast. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'd be into that. I mean, look, uh, I was saying last week I, had, I set up PS4 remote play and I bought a controller and I had to use it. Well, this week I have used it. Uh, and it's pretty fun. It's yeah. pretty cool to just be able to play like PS4 games on my phone with a like a Steel Series controller. It's not perfect, but it's, it works just fine on Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, there Yeah, is an enormous amount of lag. And because it's like this weird, it talks to the PlayStation network stuff and then it Connects directly to the PS4 and the PS4 streams. So, just like making it connect is a lot of Sony software, just like having to do stuff. Like, Steam whistles are going off. Like, you know, like the factory foreman's like, get that connection. And like 25 minutes later, you're playing a game. It's like not smooth, but it's pretty cool, man. And so, like, if if Google can do this faster, I'd be super into that. All right, Paul, one last thing Oculus Rift S.
4: Yeah, this was a nice little surprise. I, maybe maybe everybody knew this was coming. I didn't know this was coming. Uh, uh, Oculus is upping the resolution. Uh, this matches, it's basically, Oculus took their upcoming standalone um, Quest headset, right? Which has higher yeah. re- resolution screen and inside out tracking. So you can have hand controllers without having to ha- put up those little, little cameras on your desk. And then you can never stand far enough away from the little cameras because you have a small apartment. And so <laughs> uh, <laughs> VR turned out to be a, a $2,000 investment down the, the down the drain. So you got inside-out tracking. And so like modified controllers to work with the inside-out tracking and high re- resolution um, display. And so it's basically a quest if you have a PC and that you, the same PC specs, they like lowered the refresh rate on the screen so that... Even though you're driving higher resolution display, you can use the exact same minimum spec that worked with the original Oculus Rift to power the new headset. Um All the games work, but yeah, and it's four hundred dollars, and uh, they're phasing out the the old original Oculus Rift. But they're they're they wanted to be pretty clear that this is their evolutionary yeah. move for the Rift. This is not their revolutionary. I don't know whatever whatever is actually revolutionary in their eyes. But this isn't it.
0: There's a wave of these like higher-res headsets coming out, right? It's an HP1 this week.
4: Yeah, there's an HP1. I mean, this one is actually built by Lenovo. And I think Lenovo's done some Windows Mixed Reality stuff. And and so Oculus partnered with Lenovo on this one. Um, and then I think there's some other... I think there's some Vive stuff coming out. I'm I'm not sure. I haven't paid yeah. too much attention, but I was not expecting a Rift S.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Dieter, do you want to make your disclosure? Just so you, my you've wife. It. My wife works for Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do it. Someone will yep. call us out if we don't do it. Yep. Um, can Can I tell you guys my favorite thing from GDC? Uh, unless yeah, you yeah. want to talk more about Oculus. No, no, no. favorite thing from GDC. And we should wrap this up.
4: Okay. A few months ago, Nvidia shows up with physics. it's so exciting it's so much more accurate it's simulation it's going to be so much better physics so physics is the physics engine in unreal and and unity obviously the two most popular game engines um so come to gdc and unity gets on stage and they're like we're making our own physics engine called unity physics and also we're partnering with havoc to use their physics engine too and then Epic gets on stage and says Unreal is going to have its own new physics engine called Chaos, and and so and neither not, neither engine has announced official support for for PhysX 4.0. So I think there's a big beef brewing in the physics of game engines space uh the reason i it's it's really exciting to me is because multiplayer physics is is a really rare thing still in video games it's a kind of a next-gen thing yeah um and to do it you need deterministic physics which is one of the features of unity physics um because floating point numbers are weird from on different hardware and uh, there's a lot a lot of stuff to it but um I'm excited. that I'm hoping that that's one reason why th- th- these multiplayer experiences that are being pushed by Epic and Unity um, are are going to have more physics in them, and that's why they needed their own physics engine. I could be totally off on that, but that's my, my
0: hope. And is dream. this just like the race? Like the cool thing to do is say you have a physics engine now? Like the cool thing last year was big AI. I
4: I, I feel it feels like a beef. I feel like it, what it feels like is that y- – Nvidia's been puttering along with PhysX, and either F- PhysX 4.0 went in a, a different direction than these engines wanted, or or is um like has a wrong sort of architecture or something that didn't match the specs that they
0: had. I like and it. So, I like a beef. Yeah, beef. The original competition. The, the theme <laughs> of the Vergecast is there enough competition? <laughs> <laughs> That's another app we should make. Like, is there enough competition, and we just like label markets put the iPad mini all by itself in the corner. Yeah. Mm. All right, we got to wrap up. We've gone way over time. Apple's having that event on Monday. That's going to be a thing. We're going to get into it. There's going to be all kinds of coverage all over the verge. Dieter and Nick are going to be there. It's going to be super fun. We'll follow up. I'm actually going to be at the Winter Music Conference in Miami Beach at the end of next week. I'm giving out an award with Danny Deal, best DJ technology. It's going to be super fun. We'll do some demos on stage. So I'll be I'm gonna to try to find a way to be back on the show, but there's a chance I won't be. But this streaming stuff, I wanna talk about it, so I'm gonna to try to figure it out. You can also listen to Recode Media with Peter Kafka, which I assure you next week will be very interesting because we be want this stuff. Recode Decode with Kara Swisher, uh, Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway. And all three seasons of Why'd You Push That Button are out in the world, and I will tell you we're talking about that next season right now. So no. it's very exciting. Listen to those. You can tweet at us, I'm a reckless. Theaters at Backlon, Paul's at Future Paul. We do love to hear from you. Pull over in your car, send that tweet right now, and give us five stars wherever you can. And go to voxmedia.com/podsurvey and just tell the people you love the Vergecast. Just do that for me. It'll be it'll be great. Everyone will love you for it. I'll love you for it. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Promo code. <laughs>